Welcome to another episode of Wicked Smart. I'm your host, Lucas Bean. What's going on, Spasta? How are you doing, my man? How's it going? I'm all right, Good my man. Here. There he is. There's Breadsticks. I'm your co-host today. We don't need another co-host. Oh, dude, you're my co-host <laughs> for sure. You're my co-host for sure. You're good people, man. So what's going on? How you been? Not too much. It's uh, It's been a long time. I feel like we've been crossing paths for probably two years now in the space. And right? I think this is the first time we're probably formally linking up. Are we really? I thought I met you at, like November 2021 um, at NFT NYC at that little bar that was connected to the main event. I'm pretty sure we did, man. I think we, I mean, it was like in passing, like, oh, hey, how's it going, man? Like, it wasn't like we sat down and talked. <laughs> a little bar connect. Wait, yeah, uh, NFT NYC. Yeah, it was like the rum. Yeah, it was like the rum room or something like that, I think it was called, or some weird place. I don't oh know. Maybe God, it's definitely possible. You everybody was there. Michael Kay was there. You know, uh, your man was, was. I think I don't think your man was there. Uh, not your man, by the way. You know what I'm talking about. Um, sniper bot. I just got rugged. I. I yeah, if it was Sniper and Michael, then then I was probably there. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure you were there. Um, but I, you know, I, obviously I can't I can't be positive. I met so many people that day because it was literally the or those couple of days. There's so I don't, many. I don't, I, did you have an arrow through your head then? Also, Cause I, I did not. Know. I did not have an arrow through. My head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been a no brainer. Like that's him. <laughs> no pun intended. Brad, what's going on with you, my man? We uh, just revealed the now pass. And, oh uh, yeah, so, so I'm, on, I'm on. I'm on a call right now with the team, revealing. So uh, where, dude? You don't have to talk too much. It's it's cool, bro. Oh, you're good, dude. No, but uh, exciting times. Everything went smooth. So uh, you know, I'll I'll be uh, I'll be back on here in a second. Just yeah. Oh no, up. now I have to check because I sold my my now pass by accident. I'm sorry. I don't sold it by accident. So yeah, so the uh, Brad is the head of blockchain over at NFT now. Not not you know soon, but now. So um, that's pretty good times. So hey, Mintify, why don't you uh, why don't you drop some knowledge for us and tell us how the market's going? Sure. Uh, good morning. Man, everybody. your voice is clear, dude. It's so crystal clear. I just have to remind you. It was such a good oh. idea to buy an iPhone. Yeah, we in this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's uh let's roll through this the ethereum market volume 18.6 million only up 1.2 percent nothing too crazy similar to solana 4.4 million down two percent highest sale 240.88 eth for board eight six seven seven six that's the biggest one for a while the top gaining index top 20 metaverse up two percent you know, things have been pretty calm today. Helix, uh, this is led by Parallel City Land from Helix, 0.155 ETH floor price. It's only 3% up for the biggest gainer. The Sandbox, number 2.665 ETH floor price up 2%, and Creep Terraland, 0.32 ETH floor price up 2%, uh, 0.2%, sorry. The top losing index, top 20 art, only down 1%. Led by Damien Hurst, the currency, 3.05 ETH floor price down 11%. Fuel World Paint, 0.39 ETH floor price down 3%. And Friendship Bracelets by Alexis Andre, 0.2 ETH floor price down 1%. Some interesting market update news. City says that CBDCs and tokenization will drive mass adoption. Custody firm BitGo has released a new security tool for ordinals inscriptions. 
I believe it helps to avoid accidentally sending them, transferring them away. And Major Jason Lowry says, is warning U.S. policymakers to adopt Bitcoin in order to avoid losing its status as a global superpower. And the market stats, global crypto market cap, 1174.2 billion. Bitcoin dominance, 46.3%. Open interest, 8.01 billion, coming down a little bit after that uh, that little fake out we had recently. With uh, crypto, let's see, where's my chart at? Sorry about that. Bitcoin, 28,475, up 0.8%. Ethereum, 1830, up 2.5%. With the S and P right around forty seventy, up about half a percent, so pretty pretty relaxed today for the most part. Mostly sideways, um, maybe a little bit up. Looking pretty good though. Right for Friday. What about fear and greed, dude? Did you say fear and greed already? Did I not? I think I did. Sixty three. I just like to hear fear and greed again. <laughs> yeah, sixty three. <laughs> good times. If you guys don't have a chance yet, if you guys do uh, any kind of recording or audio casting, like there's a uh, Adobe podcast is like groundbreaking earth shattering good you could literally talk into your phone and have it sound like crap you could even be on an android and upload your content to this system and it actually exports it like you're in a sound booth dude it's crazy anyway uh that was on a side note spasta spasta and more spasta what is going on man tell me more about you we want to usually we on the show we start off with like your origin story man so i want to hear like what you're all about where did you come from? How did you get here? How did you meet Sniperbot? How did you meet Michael K? How did you meet like Ani DeFranco down here in the uh, you know as a speaker as well? <laughs> like how did you like how did this all how did this all come about? How did where did Spasta come from? Yeah, so origin story. Uh, I'm a yep. New York guy, born and raised. Uh, started my career on Wall Street. Uh, Lehman Brothers, 2007. Sorry for your loss. Dude, you know what? I'll tell you, like, I, I watched in my first year people lose their life savings. I watched 90% of the workforce around me get fired. We ended up getting acquired by Barclays. I was safe in the end. But those nice. are like the war wounds that, like, you know, build character and make you who you are. Like, I cut my teeth on a trading desk at Lehman during probably like one of the worst times in financial history. Um, so I think that uh, that helped me like develop certain disciplines, which I've definitely carried throughout my career. Um, I was on Wall Street for about 13 years. About five years ago, 2017, me and two buddies decided to build um, my passion in sports, decided to build a fantasy sports uh, application. Uh, I was early kind of Web3 and crypto. My idea was to build it on the blockchains, 2017, so super early Web3. We started building it. There was a ton of traction because 1718 was just kind of like an amazing renaissance year for crypto and went out, um, raised from some pretty large institutions, half crypto, the other half like traditional sports investors, family offices and things like that. And we raised our Series A round of like five million bucks. And I still had my day job on Wall Street. And I told my wife we had our second kid on the way. I was like. I'm leaving it all behind for uh, to pursue my passion of fantasy sports and blockchain. And she's Boom. like, you're fucking nuts. And that was kind of like what set me on this path. And I ditched the suit about five years ago, never looked back, uh, never will go back. Um, ended up selling that company to a public company, which is the Pro Football Hall of Fame, wow. about two and a half years ago during COVID. 
um, ended up spending a year and a half there. That was my earn out, which was a nightmare working for a public company again. So I, <laughs> I've done that know, before. Like, so I know exactly how you feel, dude. <laughs> it's like the necessary evil. It's like, you want to get the, the exit and liquidity event. And then you're kind of stuck working for the man again. I'm like, fuck that. So after 18 months left there, they're still running the league, uh, from within the hall of fame. So it's good seeing the legacy continue on. And after I sold that business, even while I was still working for the business, I launched probably like three or four other startups, um, just kind of had that bug. I'm like, shit, I got to just keep building and keep operating because that's what I do. And two of those businesses are pretty good businesses right now. The third business we exited. And in summer of 2020, uh, someone introduced me to Top Shot. And I was, you know, coming from a sports background and the blockchain background, I was like, this is the best use case I've seen. Um, NFTs um, from like that standpoint at that time, had we had NFTs and CryptoKitties were around in 1718, but had we had NFTs for our platform, the, the business that I built, um, it would have been a game changer because we were trying to do everything as tokenized uh, securities, which was a fucking nightmare in 2018, as you know. And um, when I saw Top Shot, I was like, this is brilliant. I got very much into the community super early. I got lucky, built a nice portfolio, lived through the kind of, uh, you know, crash and burn. But that introduced me then to the Zed Run community. And then I found PFPs. Um, I moved out to Long Island with my family. I had dinner one night with someone and I introduced them to Zed and it just happened to be Sniper's business partner. So I get a call like a wow. week later from, from Sniper and he's like, yo, he's like, my buddy told me you're the guy that knows about the NFTs. <laughs> and I put him onto Zed run. He ended up buying an auction, like a Z1 that I don't know, it was like probably like 15 ETH at the time. It was crazy. And he got fully immersed in, in the NFT space. And then he calls me, he's like, dude, he's like, I'm seeing these board ape things happening. He's like, I think I'm going to go all in. I was like, come on. I was like, there's no utility. There's nothing to do. And he's like, I'm just going to ape in. He ended up buying like 12 apes. And I stood on the sidelines and watched him buy his apes. <laughs> um, I did very well, though. I mean, I got into other stuff, so I'm happy. And then he went down this rabbit hole with Chibi's, Chibi Genesis. The first Chibi Genesis Mint, which is our kind of one-of-one one collection, was minted a week before Apes. So our co-founder, Fabs, who's the artist and developer, launched April of 2021, the Chibi Genesis collection. Sniper started buying those things up. He actually spent more on his first Chibi Genesis than he did on his first ape, which is funny to think wow. about now. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, look, he hit me up. He's like, yo, I got a bag of these things. He's like, I connected with the artist. He's out of Germany and he has like no plans to build this community, but these are like super cool, um, you know, 3D characters. And I saw them and like my mindset was always like 2D to me was kind of boring. I was like, what are you going to do with 2D? But 3D to me was like, shit. I mean, there's metaverse, augmented reality, video games. All these things in the future are going to require 3D characters, not 2D characters. So we connected with Fabs in May of 2021 and decided to partner up. And we were going to launch Chibi Apes, which was our first generative collection. We had about 75 people in the Discord at that time where we partnered up. We launched Chibi Apes, our first generative collection, September of 2021. By the time we got to launch, we had about 50,000 people in our Discord. So, like, we spent six weeks really promoting it. 
and the market just exploded. And we had one of those gas FOMO war sellouts. Uh, we sold out in about 20 seconds. And that kind of like set us on our journey. And like when we sold out that collection, at, at the time it was like everyone was selling art. But for me, I was like, I'm not just selling art. Like I feel like I just became a fiduciary for my collectors who I was viewing as almost like my shareholders. And I have a responsibility to really like commercialize this chippy business and create it into like an operating company that will have staying power over time. So, you know, since then we've uh, sold two other collections, sold out collections, chippy galaxy and chippy friends. Uh, we've done partnerships with, we were one of the first collections on Jadu. Uh, we did a partnership, a metaverse activation to central land with Arizona iced tea. And oh, I know year, that guy. Nice. Yeah. nice. Uh, last year, we launched a Valentine's Day partnership with Verizon, uh, where we did a collaborative collection with them of 20 chibis that we were giving away to some of their consumers. And, you know, it was a, kind of a big deal for us. It's a big deal in the space, but like these things come and go. But, you know, that was really an exciting opportunity for us to like help a Web2 brand enter the Web3 space. And it was a huge company. And, you know, it's it's been a crazy journey. I mean, it's been two years almost. Um, you know, we've we've been innovating at every step along the way. Like when we first launched our Apes collection, we were providing the 3D files to our community, which no other collection was doing. So you could still go on our website and pull your GLB and F FBX files. The, you know, chibis were rigs, so you could do all these crazy things with them, which our community has taken full advantage of. We built an augmented reality tool on our website and our app back in 2021. We've, uh, we, with our Chibi Friends, uh, Chibi Friends collection that we launched, it was an evolutionary NFT. So it started as an egg. And you basically put your eggs on missions in the Chibi Friends game that we built. It's a proprietary game that we built in-house. And basically, your performance in the game will dictate the evolution of your NFT from an egg to a baby to a fully grown pet. And these are all fully rigged you know, animals that essentially get born from your progress in the game. So it's like... You know, a lot of the stuff that we've been doing has been kind of ahead of the curve. We've just been, I feel like we've been like this sleeping giant, but we're like a really small niche community um, that's had staying power throughout time. And now we're launching our, our big virtual world partnership with Beyond. Uh, Beyond is the gaming studio out of New Zealand. Super talented. They're best known for designing the Fluff Burrows. And we're building Gravitail, which is going to be curated virtual worlds where people could go in, curate, cultivate, build their own uh, worlds and essentially, you know, find ways to gamify that experience, play to earn. There are all these really cool features that we're building in there. And we're going to be rolling that out in May time. Uh, at the same time, we're going to actually be launching the world. So we're not selling them and then waiting two years to build them. They're already built and we're going to be launching them along with the mint. That was a mouthful. To say the ah, least. Got, well I got, done. I, I got a lot to talk about. Sorry. I know. I like it. I, I like people <laughs> who are talking of them. You remind me of me. So <laughs> it's good. And you actually, uh, the good news is you like, you really know what you're talking about. It's, it's obvious from how you're talking about it. So that's pretty cool. Question to you yeah. is Chibi. How, where did the art come from? Because that is very, very, very unique art. So uh, Chibi by definition is uh and chibi's a well-known word to define these kind of short anime inspired characters that have small bodies and big heads 
and uh, Fabs, our artist, is uh, he's been an anime fan for a very long time. And he went to art school, kind of gave it up, became an engineer and developer, um, was doing that and, and started making he started making these in Blender just like as a side passion project. And when we found him, we're like, dude, this art is good. And he's like, well, I, I thought I wanted to be an artist, but I never really had the chops to do it. And then all of a sudden it's just like people actually love this stuff. Imposter and syndrome, bro. Imposter yeah, syndrome. Yeah, no, it happened. Look, I mean, it took for the Web3 space for a lot of artists to really kind of find themselves. Totally agree. And yep. whereas you look at some of these 2D pieces of art, you're like, you know, like the, the level of detail on them is cool. But when you look at a, like a chibi and a 3D viewer, or a 3D model, the level of detail that's on these, you know, 3D characters is, is really insane. And it's like, you know, a lot of the people in our community are 3D enthusiasts. But like, you know, I, I think I think the art is a little like too sophisticated for certain people who are just out there degening in in the web3 space so it's it's got a special place for certain people we're trying to bring it to the masses and you know that's the uh that's that's the ultimate goal here yeah i like it and you you said you had a lot of partnerships like how'd you go about that do you have like a business development lead like how are you like reeling in these partnerships so I have a lot of experience, obviously, in Web2, uh, sure. the business development side. I have a lot of partners, um, whether agencies, whether brands. And, you know, like when things are good in the Web3 space, everyone wants to figure out how to kind of enter, authentically enter the space. And there are only so few people who have been able to kind of like shepherd brands into the space who know what they're doing or what they're talking about since I'm kind of like a Web2, Web3 crossover as an operator um you know i've been able to attract certain brands and certain partners that way um we have an amazing team who have done a lot of partnerships in the space like with other projects and other service providers in the space so you know we really have a good group of people i think we have a good story to tell and i think people really are attracted to kind of our sophistication around the space yeah that makes sense <clears throat> you're definitely uh Everybody calls it Web two, Web three. You you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of knowledge in the uh, basically in the tech space. That's good, and uh, sure. which basically yeah. crosses both of those crosses both of those terms. That's interesting, man. There's a lot of people out here that that wonder how to get these partnerships and just think that everybody comes to them. And you know, sometimes they do come to you, right? But most of the time, you, you got to be out there, like you know, f figuring out like which which companies and brands match yours, and then go out there and call. Go out there and email them and say, hey, guys, this is what's going on. And if you really want that sponsorship or you want to you want to shepherd somebody into the space, the blockchain space, the way to do it is you've got to be proactive. And yeah, I mean, a, a good story is our story with Beyond. We saw what Beyond had created with the fluff burrows. And if you look at the fluff burrows, the level of detail and design of those are like off the charts. And Fabs reached out to me. He's like, who are these guys out in New Zealand? So I like sent them an email. They didn't respond at first. I sent them another email. Finally, they responded. They're like, let's get on a call. And they're like, look, we've been following your journey. We really like you guys. We've gotten about 50 emails from other projects looking to partner up with us. And, you know, we want to... We're going to test the waters with you. So we, you know, we started talking and it took like six months of dating. And then we, we went to NFT NYC together. We hung out, we went to the doodles party. We did this little art activation last year and they're like, all right, we're ready. Let's go. We're all in. And, nice. you know, yeah. And we've been building with them for the last eight months. And you know, it's like that you got to shoot your shot. Just like you said, it's like, you, you got to be proactive.
and you, you got and you got to have patience and you got to have patience. I mean that right there, most people would be like, Oh, you want to make a partnership? And they're like, no, not right now. You know, like there's so many people that I have people would just walk away from that. They just would forget about it and be like, okay, forget it. You know, like they want to have that partnership. Now you guys didn't mind the long, it was basically the long lead time until that, that closed for you. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, look, when, it, when I think about this space, it's like, you know, when you've been around a long time, you see the same type of projects coming back. You see the same players like resurfacing. It's a small space, right? And the crossover and collectors across each project is very high. You know, I, I, we're not seeing the same growth that we saw probably a year ago. And in order to be successful, I believe you need to be collaborative with other projects. You need to be collaborative with other chains, other ecosystems, virtual worlds, metaverses. I mean, that's the only way we're going to really strive for adoption is to really find interoperability across chains, across metaverses, across, uh, you know, collections, things like that. So I think we're stronger in numbers in space for sure. Right. Um, have you seen in this space, like a lot of people exiting the space that you, you know, you saw before, but they just disappear out of nowhere. Like since absolutely. They, what do you absolutely. think? What do you think? The, what do you think it's down? Like, like for me, I feel like the 85 or 90% of the people are just like gone. They just stopped tweeting. They stopped everything. Well, it, it, well, it's hard to say. It's like how many of those people were around for the right reasons? Right. And even the people who are still around, are they around for the right reasons? It's like I've looked at the attrition just within the Chibi um, community. And, you know, we have people come and go all the time, right? And then they come back and they resurface. It's like, look, December, like the end of last year into January of this year was really bad for the market and people just disappeared. I think a lot of people were down bad and then the market kind of perked back up and all of a sudden people started reappearing. So, yep. you know, it's that. like, I think most people are busy. I think most people have jobs. I think most people, it's like probably invested money they didn't have to lose and lost a lot of money. It's like, it's scary. This is the, you know, this is not for the faint of heart. Um, I think if people come in the right way and they make the right investments and, you know, they're here to learn. Like one of the things that I've focused on is like, look, you know, we're not driving our floor prices up in the way that some of these, like some of these projects are like maniacally focused on driving their floor, floor prices up. I believe that if I build real value and I'm able to return value to our collectors into the ecosystem, that the floor prices are going to just perk up over time. But with that being said, it's like, you know, I, I, it's, it's very difficult to, to maintain a certain type of retention, sure that people are going to hang around. And one of the things that we've been focused on is, how do we deliver entertainment? How do we deliver education? How do we create an environment for a community where they feel comfortable? I mean, like, <clears throat> you know, we're out there when we were doing whitelists, when whitelists were a thing, people were coming to us. We had a whole like committee that would review the projects because we didn't want our community getting into projects that were going to like rug them in the first couple of weeks, you know? So like, we've been super protective around that. And I think our community has really appreciated the fact that like we've been able to educate them and deliver value in different ways than just driving floor prices up. Yeah, I agree. You know, what's interesting too, is like, I actually just thought of this, which I, I probably should have thought of earlier. It is the, most of these folks were retail investors, you know, like almost all of them were, were kind of like in that retail space. Not many people were like literally building for real building in this space. So when the market goes down and you know, what's there left to do if they're, if they were retail investors, like you said, they, they put like 500 or a thousand dollars into the market and it, it's gone now. You know what I mean? Like, so, and they're just like, okay, I guess I'm going to, 
back to my real life. And also, I mean, the world's kind of like open back up, you know, like the pandemic is, you know, definitely sure. way in the back of anybody's mind. Like if, if it's even in their minds anymore, like it, that was driving a ton of engagement early. Oh on, my God. Sure. That's so true. Like 2021 was crazy because people still locked up right in 2022 like towards the end of 2022, especially the first quarter of 2022 was still pandemic. Like people were still locked up. It was like even in Los Angeles where I'm at, um, it stopped being locked up at the, I think beginning of April. And then yeah, people were I, like free again to like walk around and all this crazy stuff. And like, I don't know, people I, already I were, think, but I, yeah, go ahead. I think the other thing that's changed is, is you're talking about retail. I think a lot of the early, early collectors, like some of us who got in super early, went from being retail, just collectors to founders, right? Um, so how, how many of like the early... Sorry, dude, that was my screen. It went off a little oh, bit. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say like how many of the early board Ape collectors and, you know, early punk collectors and early Top Shot collectors, like all those early discords I was in, almost every like 90% of the collectors in there all became entrepreneurs in the web three space. Nice. That's the way to do it. See, there's also investors that I, I knew that were pretty big whales that just, you know, when the market goes down, they're like, there's really not as much fun anymore. There's not as much stuff going on. A lot of people that were founders didn't have as many clients, right? They were, they founded agencies, they founded smart contract development houses and stuff like that. And not many people were there trying to, create you know before i think it was like before this whole crash happened like around june and then you know exasperated by october november of ftx and all that stuff like before that there was like so many people in the space so many projects and those projects like just stopped as soon as eth went from like 3000 down to like 1200 even in the, the triple digits for like an hour i think it was too so i think like a lot of people got scared away with that stuff and uh, they just took their, you know, punk holdings, their ape holdings, and just like, I'm going back to the real world for, you know, six months because I don't really need to see this. But you're right. I think a lot of them have come back. I've definitely seen accounts that have been dormant or just like retweeting things and not commenting and, and tweeting themselves. And out of nowhere, there they are popping back up. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, the market's doing better. Here they are. About, <laughs> they're back. <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I just pinned a tweet, uh, CryptoPunk founders list. Some of these were existing founders before they bought a punk, but a lot of the people you could see there, there are a lot of influential people here. There are a lot of CryptoPunks that ultimately became founders in the Web3 space. So it, it's been cool to watch kind of that shift happen. I think a lot of the early, early, early whales, like the Dinglings and the um, uh, Pranksies, like those guys were huge crypto whales and they were just sitting on these huge bags of crypto and they saw an opportunity to kind of divest into, into new areas and they crossed over and you, you see those guys, you know, when crypto is doing well, they have much bigger bags to start allocating to NFTs, guys like D farmer and stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking at the list right now. This is a pretty solid list right there. That's good. Yeah. yeah, and I remember early like early punks were so influential, and I know people talk about early apes, but like early punks were more influential than the early ape collectors because they were obviously around before and they understood the technology. But I remember like when projects started pumping, if you're like, "Oh, this came from a punk chat," like you wanted again those projects because the communities were just like immaculate. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I would definitely 100% agree with the whole punks are more 
have more leverage and more more say and uh, more OG status for sure. I mean, just because of their history and stuff. Let alone like the people who are holding them. Uh, if you got in early on the punks, that was amazing. What an amazing uh, ROI on those guys. Well, you were also you you were there for the technology, right? You understood what NFTs were. It was like a shady dark web minting process <laughs> back then. No, it really was. So Dude, I saw the punks and I literally, because I entered the NFT space like because of a friend in August of 2020. And, you know, he's basically trying to put his art on the blockchain. And I was like, dude, you couldn't sell your art in real life. Like, you're not going to put it on chain and yeah. it's sell. Like, it just, I just didn't believe it. Hundreds of thousands of followers and you couldn't sell your art. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I'm second guessing, but whatever. Not going to make it, right? And uh, it killed it, right? Just killed it in like 20 minutes, sold out, all that stuff. And I saw punks and he was like, yo, you should get a punk. I was like, a ten dollar, I think it was like ten bucks or like twenty bucks at the time. It was they were super cheap, and I'm like, what am I gonna do with this? Like, I have to like maintain it and like hold on to it in a wallet. And I'm like, I don't want, I don't know, I don't. It just didn't make sense to me. And then, man, as soon as uh, it was like, I think it was like February of 2021. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get a punk. And then I'm like, oh man, they're like five grand now. That sucks. Or there was some, it was something like 1.2 ETH or something like that to buy one at the time. And then it spiked up really high right after the Beeple, Beeple news in March. And I was just like, no. <laughs> and it was just, it just went up from there. And there's no way, it's like no way to get one now. Like it's just yeah. out of the range. It's just, I mean, it, there is a way. It just doesn't make sense to financially like, you know, put money on a punk right now. So. Yeah, look, I, f I find it hard to justify some of these like high cost assets. Sure. Um, and I have, I, I have like uh, missed the boat so many times on on apes and punks. But like, you know, look, I've owned my mutants along the way, and I've owned stuff in the Yuga ecosystem. But it's just always been hard for me to justify like a hundred thousand dollar investment in anything, even though probably owned a bag of doodles, like ten doodles at one point when they were twenty five ETH. But it's, uh, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm like. I'm I'm a trader at heart, but at the same time, I'm also like I try to be a reasonable, realistic investor about things. And it's just always been hard for me to justify the value of a hundred thousand dollar asset. And I think Yuga's been able to prove that with Apes because of all the you know secondary income that you've received along the way. But whatever, right? I agree with that. So what's next for you guys? Like, are, are you? I think I I was reading somewhere you guys are doing like a drop soon. Yeah, so we're launching Gravitale, as I mentioned. Uh, Gravitale is the virtual worlds that we're building with Beyond. Um, so, you know, we've always kind of been early metaverse explorers. After we sold out uh, Chibi uh, Apes in 2021, we went and bought a massive plot in Decentraland, which is still there. That was designed by the Last Slice crew. It's like nice. this epic last room, last room in the scene. slice. Astrum and the Slice crew, uh, nice. they did an amazing job. Um, that's still up and running, although we don't use it like we once did. We, uh, was it 2022, uh, New Year's 2020, no, New Year's 2021 into 22, we launched a party which had like 30 other projects. We had thousands of people in our Decentraland scene. We had Aloe Black come and perform as his digital PFP. Like we, we did a bunch of really, really cool stuff. Um, you know, I, I wish we used our Decentraland plot more. Uh, we don't, but we probably should still. But, you know, we. That's a tough uh, one, I, though. You know, Decentraland plots are tough to use because it like melts your computer. 
So it's like it's gotten better, but it's got. <laughs> did it really? How much better did it really get? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't get that much. But I'll, I'll tell you, my biggest <laughs> issue with Decentraland, honestly, my biggest issue with Decentraland is early on, we were bringing thousands of people there, and we wanted support from the foundation. We're like, hey, look, you need us more than we need you, right? It's like you need us to drive adoption and they weren't supportive of it. And they, you know, they kind of lost us as tenants, but we're still there. But, but again, I mean, for us, we've always wanted to find a home base where we could bring our 3d assets into where we could bring our characters into, and we could bring our community to have a home base. And, you know, when we just when all these other places weren't happening and the sandbox wasn't happening, it was like, you know what, fuck it, let's just go build it ourselves. And that's why why we found Beyond, and really Beyond is is the, they're building this in Unreal Engine five. Um, they're integrating all of our character assets in there. We're working to integrate other character assets and other project partners into into Gravitale, and some of the things that we're building in there. So first, I think digital identity is going to be a huge thing in the space. We've already seen you know people are represented and they're recognizable by their PFPs. So we think there's going to be a, a place, not just in this world, but even in other environments where once you develop your 3D PFP, you're going to want to take it into other places, right? Um, so whether it's in Zoom calls, whether it's in, you know, Meta's social, pro, um, social platform that they're building, we are building a digital identity builder that's going to allow people to go in there and basically create their own digital avatar using traits from their favorite PFPs. Nice. Um, which we think is, is something that people will want to do. Um, and whether you're representing your chibi or you're representing, you know, a, a 3d character that has your board, a pad and has your Zuki sword. Like we think that's something that is going to be innovative and it's going to be adopted, not just by the web three space, but, you know, just by future collectors and people who are kind of metaverse explorers so that's one big thing that we're doing we also want to give people a place to kind of curate their own worlds right this isn't something that you know everyone's building in in one area of decentraland people are building out their own worlds people have the ability to you know play to earn in those worlds so there are gamified experiences where you, you could earn things you could use those things that you earn to you know redeem uh, other nfts and cash prizes and all these different things we haven't fully announced everything but those are kind of like the the two big things that we're creating and then also the ability to take your lands potentially combine them to super lands have you know the ability to port between your land and your friend's land like all these features are things that we're trying to build out and Look, I know other side is building similar things and there are other metaverses out there, but like we're going to deliver in a couple months and hopefully we're going to be ahead of everyone else. So, Yeah, I like that. That's interesting, man. Yeah, Decentraland yeah. was an interesting experiment and it's a great sandbox to play around in. It's just, you know, how, how well is it designed? How well is it going to be designed in the future? And isn't it, isn't it led by like a, a, like a big, you know, kind of like a dot org of people? Making it's decisions. a foundation. Yeah, foundation. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a foundation. The treasury has a certain amount of mana in there, so they have a budget that they could build with. And, you know, they're basically building as like a nonprofit foundation. Interesting. Which, so. Yeah, how, how much, how much, uh, how much of that stuff is like, again, virtual worlds right now? How big is that going right now? Like, I, I'm pretty sure I looked at the prices for like Sandbox and Decentraland and they were like, 
I mean, I remember Decentraland was like five to six ETH, and I think Sandbox at the time was like five to six ETH back in like, what was it? It was even in like March of 2022, I think. And now it's at yeah. like, like less. They're both sub ETH. Yeah, sub one ETH, like sub, like literally like a quarter of an ETH in some cases. I'm su- I'm su- I'm surprised they're even trading there. I mean, when you go into Decentraland, yeah. there's really not much you could do. There's not many people there anymore. It's like yeah, it's, it's a ghost I, I town. Mean, <laughs> it's totally. They're true. ahead of the curve, so they're gonna c- continue to figure it out. But like you know, at some point you really need to figure it out. And look, like, as I mentioned before, I think there's going to need to be interoperability across these different metaverses for them to succeed. Cause otherwise it's going to be like, you know, if there's nothing going on in your metaverse, you're going to, you're going to want to hop to your friend's metaverse and see what's going on over there. Yeah. I always think, I always think of the metaverses as like being channels on like an, uh, on an Apple TV and you know, it's like Disney plus it's YouTube, it's, you know, Netflix, Hulu, all that stuff. And you can literally just like, choose which one to jump to and you drop into that as like a you know one of your virtual worlds so i think that's what's going to probably end up happening for like navigation wise for people jumping back and forth yeah i look i mean it all depends what your what your definition of metaverse is i say like what we're doing now twitter space is a metaverse right i say zoom calls are a metaverse it's all like virtual experiences it's just platforms where you interact with other people digitally yeah, a metaverse though in this case, just because we're like dorks and we're like running around in like the central land and stuff, like we have like full avatar characters and we're not like, you know what I mean? We don't see each other's faces and stuff. So it's definitely more like a, you know, a ready player, ready player one kind of a metaverse that we all think of, I think at least. Like I haven't been in a metaverse where it's like, I, I agree with you by the way, even like any kind of discussion where you're not in the real world is kind of like a metaverse, you know, if, even, if, yep. even in a Slack channel, you know, in a discord channel, it's, if you're talking with somebody that's not in your, like right in front of you, you're, you're kind of in a, your own little world. So yeah, I definitely weird. think that's, I definitely think that's a way of like conceiving it and have, and basically explaining that to like the general population. And it's hard to explain some of this stuff to them. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you know, go watch the movie ready player one. It's like, no, I don't want to watch the movie. So it's like, okay, well, it's going to be, we're going to be running around doing this inside of a metaverse. There's going to be so many things. People just have a hard time like fathoming that. Like, hey, I'm going to sit in a chair. I don't know if you ever saw that, um, what movie was that called? With like Bruce Willis and stuff like that. I think, I think it was called like Surrogates. Um, and it was like, they were like, yeah, man, you should check it out. It's it's Surrogates and it's, uh, it's, they sit in these chairs and they put these like VR headset kind of things on like very futuristic looking ones. And they have these like robots go out for them so they don't get like hurt and damaged and stuff like that. So they basically live their lives through these robots and like the robot comes home to charge and they get out of their seat and like walk around their like apartment. And it's, it's scary how close that is to like right now, minus the robots, of course it's scary that because we spend so much time in the house doing this stuff in the metaverse, you know, online, everything like that. We're really close to that already. So it's, uh, it's not really that hard to conceive like everybody running around in the metaverse. Cause it's, it's just interesting. Like how people are like, well, I'll never sit in a chair and like run around in the metaverse with a you know VR headset on. Like, why would I spend all my time there? I'm like, you're sitting in front of your laptop at a desk sitting for like eight to 10 hours a day. What do you mean? You're already doing it. You just have a VR headset on and it's like, that's the only change that actually has to happen. So. Yeah, I, I look, I think there's gonna be a mindset shift away from like fully immersive uh, 
virtual reality metaverses more yeah. towards like a, a combo. Yeah. I think the AR best, would be the best. I, I think my, my... A, AR, that's exactly what I was going to say. Cause when I think about the use cases for AR, I see, I see so many brands that I'm talking to and I have so many good ideas for them. Like even like a company like Warby Parker being able to figure out how to create an AR tool and component for, you know, customers at home to try on glasses online before they order them or things like that. Like, I think there's so many broader use cases for AR than, than full VR right now. Oh, I totally agree. AR is definitely the more of the recent future for sure than, I mean, VR is like, it's way more uh, applicable to like normal life. You could literally be walking around with like a pair of AR glasses on and you can like flick them on, flick them off. Or, you know what I mean? Like, again, if you ever, have you ever seen the, the uh, TV show Altered Carbon on Netflix? No. Oh, dude. Watch the first episode. I would watch the first season if I were you. It's just really good. But the first episode shows you what like AR will end up doing, you know, in a, in a, uh, utopian and, and dystopian world because it like kind of is like overwhelming and it, and like obviously ads take over AR, <laughs> which I mean, let's be honest, is probably what's going to happen. And uh, you can like turn them on and turn them off. It's actually a really good representation of what I think uh, AR is going to actually do in the future. But they didn't really get into too many like positive applications except for it was like mostly ads that no one else can see. So if you're walking down the street you can't see anything and you put on these like AR contact lenses, you all of a sudden you see ev like all these crazy like things popping out everywhere. I don't know. It's like man. Google glass. I mean, they tried yeah. creating this. I just, I, I, I think, I think the VR like headset technology is going to look and feel a lot more like Google glass than it will. Like, you know, um, What's Facebook's company, Meta's company called? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're talking about Oculus. Oculus. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I agree. You can't have this big thing wearing it around. Like, imagine, like, wearing that giant thing around. And, like, also... It's, just be walking into fucking walls. And yeah. Shit. It also causes, like... It also causes, like, headaches and, you know, all sorts yeah. of stuff that just aren't, you know, like, it causes you to get dizzy and it just messes up your eyes. Like it's all of that stuff is just not going to work out. I, I think ARs, it's going to be a slow progression from going from us right now to AR and then eventually slowly bleeding into VR, AR combination of both. But the glasses have to be so small. They have to actually be like sunglasses. Yep. And I, I really think that's the way, and it's going to be like a heads up display, you know, and maybe there'll be contact lenses sometime like 50 years from now. Maybe sooner. I don't think so, though, just because, I mean, you'd have to use some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of uh, some kind of electrical source that's powered by your body in a way to actually make those things work for long enough just because they're, you know, they're contact lenses. So there's got to be a way to find a find like a happy medium with those. I think uh, I also, you know, maybe they'll act like 3D glasses somehow or something. Um, I really think that AR really does have a huge future for like the next big step people getting used to it. Like I said, you could flick on and flick off like the AR version of the glasses. So those be like regular sunglasses until you push the button and all yeah. of a sudden, bam. Yeah, man, this is, this is really good. So what is the, what's the future hold for you guys? Like, what do you, what's your next plans in the, you know, in the, in the recent future, I would say like 2023 into like Q1 of 2024. Yeah. I, like when I think about Gravitel and what this, you know, virtual world ex exploration is going to do for us, I think it's going to allow for us to kind of push into to the next uh, iteration of what Jibby Labs is, is really meant to be. And it's just 
you know, actually leveraging our assets and bringing those assets to life and more of a gamified experience. Uh, I know everyone always talks about, you know, games in the Web3 space and I'm, I'm not, we're not trying to build like a AAA game here because um, those are very difficult and very expensive to build. But I, I think the ability to empower our community, not just our community, the entire Web3 community with the tools to take their PFPs, bring them to life, be able to use them in, in new worlds, and then actually have the ability to play to earn and, and do those sort of things on a daily basis. Whereas we're just kind of sitting here, you know, in Twitter spaces, not doing much on a daily basis, putting those assets in motion, putting, you know, their, their collections in motion, I think is, is really important for us. And it's the next step. Um, the early kind of, you know, first iteration of Gravitail is going to be some of the things that I mentioned, but, you know, we're going to be focusing a lot of time and energy on, on building out and evolving the platforms over time. And, you know, as quickly as the space moves, we're going to continue to evolve in the direction where we think the community wants to be. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, I think Twitter spaces, and I agree with you, I, I understand like a lot of people don't see like super value in Twitter spaces. I actually think uh, Twitter spaces are like really great for building community and also like keeping people together. You could actually like open up a Twitter space and play some of these games, you know what I mean? And like play together and like, you know, absolutely. Kind of, yeah. I was going to say, don't get me wrong. But that's what I mean. Even doing Twitter spaces in some of these virtual worlds, I think is, it, you know, we've talked about that in the past, but it's never actually happened. Like, in Decentraland, for instance, but I, I, I think we're gonna. I hosted, the I hosted a couple. To... I hosted a couple of Twitter Spaces in uh, in Decentraland before. Yeah, we've done some of them for sure. Yeah, so it definitely works. It's just like there's really no audience there to like to make it the. There's effort nothing to do. It. Also. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. you can see like there are avatars like you know pretending to, to like hand motion and talk and stuff, but that's about it. Yeah. And you can flick money. You know, you can flick money at people and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> make it rain, baby. <laughs> So, uh, Spasta, Spasta, Spasta. So you're in, uh, you're in Long Island now is what you said, right? Yeah. Are you coming out for NFT NYC this year or no? I'm thinking about it, man. I don't know. I, I'm, people are trying to convince me and I'm just like, I, I just went to NFT LA and it definitely did not deliver what I, you know, just uh, a bunch of people. I told you that. I yeah, I know, year. but I live here. So it's like so much easier yeah. just to go here. And it was kind of like my litmus test of like, Hey, like, how are these events going to be this year? And it was, it was bad. And then well, I don't understand why NFT NYC moved their event so that it was literally weeks away from like NFT LA, right? Like that had to have been a purposeful move to like try to say, trying to do like two of these things a year now. Oh, are they? Cause it seemed like they were trying to ace out. It felt like they were trying to ace out NFT LA. It's like, Hey, you have to make a choice now. We're making you make a choice. You're either coming yeah. to New York or you're coming to LA and we did it last year. I mean, yeah. we went to NFT LA and then we flew directly to NFT Miami because they're like back to back. Yeah, they are. Yep. And, yep. and like, you know, look for me, I'm in New York. Uh, this I'm surprised you're year. not at, I'm surprised you're not at Miami. I, you know what? I was at Miami last year and it's just like the more time I spend around these conferences, the more I realize like there are definitely good hangs in and around those places. Most people who are local to those conferences come out for them, but not many people are flying out for these. And like the people who are there are the people who are trying to sell you their web three products. Yeah. People who are trying to partner with you because they're trying to, you know, tap into your audience or whatever. It's just like, there's not great value. And like, even for NFT NYC, if I wasn't invited to speak back, like I probably wouldn't go to the conference I'll be hanging in and around the conference, but like, I don't find much value being at the actual conferences. Yeah. 
I, I I don't disagree about the conference themselves. I think the uh, the satellite events are, are definitely better. The thing is, the conference could 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 actually do a lot better job of like syncing that all together. I mean, the well, good, exa- they a good example. They price people is, out. No one wants to pay six hundred dollars. No, I know, I know, I know. Like, I totally agree. That's what I was saying. Like, if they actually partnered with these side events, they could make it like worth it. You get one ticket, and it like does everything because most of these events you know, obviously are there for holders and, you know, they get access to those. So I think Gary V, I, I, I don't hate to say it. I guess I kind of hate to say it. He's doing the best situation because like everybody just comes to that and like everything's, it's like an all in one festival. And I think these, Absolutely. NF- I think NFT, like, I think the NFT LA should have been a festival, not a conference. Gary, Gary nailed it. VCon was the best conference I've been to out of all the Web3 conferences I've been to. And he brought talent. He yeah. was invested in curating the experience for everyone. And you would go, like last year when we went to the stadium, you would go there for the day and you wouldn't leave. That's exactly so you, it. That's what I'm, that's what I was so trying to get to. it was more of a destination as like, yes. get New York. Like you want to do it in New York, but it's like so distributed. You go from this place to this place to this place. It's like, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I look, I know people don't want to be Gary fanboys, but like, you know, Gary, Gary knows how to do these things, right? He knows how to throw parties. He knows how to bring like-minded people together. So I give him a lot of credit for that. I haven't decided if I'm going to go back this year, but. Yeah. It's won't. again, these, these, these events I've noticed like NFTLA, NFTMYC, um, everything. I definitely think they need to be festivals because people want to, a lot of these people that are going there are going there for the mostly 90% is like side events. And if all those side events are in that one, like let's just say the stadium where there's like music and then there's speakers and then there's music and then there's speakers. Like that's, that's what they want. They want like a festival kind of feel. So. Well, NFT NYC last year was Ape Fest for me. Right. It's like I, I, I went it. all four days and that's where like I was seeing people and talking to people like, but no one was like in and around the conference. Right. And with no Ape Fest this year, I think that killed it for a lot of people who were going to come out. Yep. I, I agree. Although I do know a lot of people going to NFT NYC even after Connect NFT me with people. I I'm will. trying to find people. I have oh. <laughs> to with a lot of people to be out here. Yeah, I'll connect you with people after this. Even after Sniper, this. I was like, dude, I was like, are you going to come in? He's like, I don't know. What? Like, for what? I'm, but, He's but right like, there. Yeah, but, the, but, but it's like, come in for what? Like, I don't even know if any good parties happening or events. No, that's true. So that's like, true. That's true. Yeah, I, I, all the major projects, like, pulled out of, like, doing big things there. There's no activations of any kind where you could actually go see some cool stuff. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty sad a little bit there. So yeah. I mean, you could still pull something off in New York. I just don't know if it could be in downtown New York unless they like grabbed us like Madison square garden or something. Right. I mean, it's just so big. It's hard to, it's hard to do it in any one place. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, maybe long Island, right? Strong, no. maybe strong island. <laughs> I mean, they they could do it at like the Meadowlands or something. Like I don't know, <laughs> but I I look after this NFT NYC. I don't know that they're gonna. I I don't know what their runway is gonna look like or what their future is gonna look like. I mean, look, they were the big player when there was only one conference. Now there are ten other conferences. I, I there's more like a hundred other conferences, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like major yeah. ones, yeah, yeah. Major there's, ones. There's yeah. there's so many. Like I heard there was like a. There's Miami NFT week right now that's going on. There's right before that was NFT LA. Then there's like Vegas one. Then there's like, you know, yeah, there's like, you know, Toledo, Toledo, Ohio, NFT no, week. Stop. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That one I'm making up. 
but you know, it, there were so many in 2022. It was crazy. And then even now that they're, they're still trying to crank some out, there's one supposedly supposedly in like San Diego too. So, which is just no weird. idea. Yeah. But, just weird. Um, I was going to say, we, we have my community in here. I'd love to hear about some of the stuff that you're building, working on. Um, yeah, I don't really want to talk about the stuff I'm building right now. My, <laughs> okay. my, the I stuff, was trying to give you some shine. No, I, I like it. I'm good. I, I, I can shine myself, but I appreciate it. And uh, I, I'm kind of building a community right here, my man. This is like kind of one of the things I'm doing. I've been here for a long time. Yeah, I've been here for a long time also. Um, and, you know, I haven't left because this is the, this is the space I've chosen to basically be in. So I'm, I'm pretty well, excited to be here. What I would say is like when we have collaborative spaces like this, it's, you know, I look down and see some of the people in the crowd. Some of these, some of these collectors are some of the best community members around and they're super, super loyal. And it's just like, you know, I I think this is a good chat. I think we had a good time. I think a lot of these people are going to probably be following you and come back to your next spaces. So I think that that's, you know, that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah, of course. And if I do, if I do end up going to New York, man, we should meet up again in uh irl and be like what's up and then we can actually absolutely i would like i would love to hear about the the past stuff that you've done i know you don't want to like talk about it here because it will kind of like dox you i don't even know if you're doxed are you doxed oh i'm fully doxed yeah. oh Matt, dude Matt. what I, this conversation yeah. would have been completely different <laughs> oh no i'm, I'm like the most public person <laughs> oh man like I mean, you can find me on linkedin I'm, I'm all right good everywhere all right that's good to know so Let's let's run through a couple there's, more. The, the, there's my picture up there. <laughs> oh my god, man! I can't believe I. Yeah, I'm fully. I, I've been fully docked since the very beginning. You just never know, and I didn't want to like call no, out. I probably should have asked you right good. away. But what are like? What were the? What were the, uh, you told me about that company? You basically said it was like a gambling site, yep. or like Hall of Fame, whatever you guys yep. were doing there with the football Hall of Fame. So what else? Like, is that the? Is that your main like first company that you no, founded? Or? Oh yeah, that was the main first company that I founded. Okay. Yeah. So so when I looked at blockchain initially, I said there's an opportunity to create fractionalized ownership in you know a public setting like this because I saw what was happening with a lot of these tokens. So we were looking at the fantasy landscape, and we were like big fantasy players. And I looked at what esports was doing. I was like, well, what if we created the first professional fantasy league? where the teams were actually managed by, you know, professional fantasy players and the teams themselves were like real geolocated franchises throughout the country and they were owned by the public and they were owned through a tokenized model. Um, so this was like early 2017. We were basically trying to, you know, disrupt the ownership model by creating fractional ownership across a, a new medium, which is uh, professional fantasy teams. Nice. Yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah, so... I'll give you a, a, a 10 second overview of me. Cause I, I just don't like to talk about myself because it's, this interview is about you, dude. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I do a, uh, I basically own a venture studio. Um, I'm one of the founders of a venture studio that where we build our own, build our own software and incubate it out into the world. So a lot of SaaS technology and stuff like that. I'm a big SaaS guy. I'm very sassy. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's, it's being developed now. And I also own an events company. I own a bunch of, I own a bunch of companies, which is kind of fun. Keeps me busy, but this is part of it. You know, building, building community for me is kind of an important thing. And I own an ed tech company as well, where I want to like, I'm going to be onboarding a lot of people into the space. Um, at least teaching people that are in the so-called web two space, because a lot of this is like overwhelming to them. Like a lot of my friends are like, I don't want to get involved in that stuff. I don't want to be a crypto bro. I don't want to be, you know, it's like, it's always an excuse of why they don't want to do, 
you know, X because of Y. And they're like, oh, the market's looking bad. The crypto crashed and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? Why don't I create education for these guys that are nervous about getting into it? So like it makes them understand how it could apply to what they're doing right now. Let's just say, I hate saying web two, but at their tech jobs now where they're not using blockchain. And I think that's kind of like a really important vein to tap because it's not many people are, you know, they, everybody's like, Oh, there's so many educational resources out there. No, there really isn't that are like concise and easy to understand. There's and it's, it's a mess for these guys to like learn. Like they're just like, dude, where do I go? Like, who's the expert in the space? Like who, like where, where are these things? And I try to send them a few things and they're like, yeah, I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to go through that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. So I think that's a really important thing to take, like take on and like conquer as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, I think, I think there's a lot of friction for what you're trying to oh, do yeah. and until the actual technology is there to remove those friction points. Right. Totally so you're agree. reliant on a lot of, and we're seeing it now, right? Reddit is adopting the masses. Starbucks is adopting the masses because they're able to build behind the scenes on Polygon and people are doing certain things that are allowing them to touch blockchain without touching blockchain. And I think that's that's what's going to make this more user-friendly and allow for the masses to be adopted. Yeah, I again, Reddit and, and Starbucks and when Amazon comes in with their NFT marketplace, like that is going to be the frictionless. I think those are going to be the people that are going to be onboarding the most because they're already onboarding and people don't even know about it. Eventually, those people that like go, oh, I, you mean I've been using NFT technology the whole time? Uh-huh. Oh, it means I have, I have an NFT? I mean, I got that avatar like 12 months ago. That's an NFT? Like, I don't even know if we're going to be saying NFT in like 12 months. <laughs> I think we're going to be calling them like digital collectibles. Maybe it's 24 months, but I'm not sure NFT will be the the name. It's like, it's a tough it's one. It's such a technical name. It is. It's like, you know, show me a picture of your kids, right? Or, hey, it, you know, show me a JPEG of your kids. Show me a PNG of your kids. Like, no, it's yeah. it's show me a, a picture of your kids. And, and is it on chain? People will say, you know, I think that'll be the, I think that'll be common vernaculars. Like, is it on chain? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, we got yeah. Sniper here. Yeah, Sniper, what's up? What's up? <laughs> He's on there listening. He's just like skulking. We're good. So yeah, man, this is good. So what? What is the? What is the? What do you want to tell the rest of the audience that is listening in right now? Let's pretend there's like five or six in there that don't know who you are. What's the like the last sixty seconds you want to tell them before I, I uh, wrap up the show? You know, it's interesting. I was talking earlier about like, you know, high priced NFTs and spending $100,000 on a crypto punk or something like that. Like when I look at the chibi assets, right? If you think about a 3D fully rigged asset or a 3D fully rigged file that you'd have to go to a designer or a developer to create, these assets would cost you from a design studio like upwards of $1,000 per. So I always kind of look at that as like kind of the floor for our collections. And you can literally come into our collection, um, you know, like a Chibi Ape will cost you 0.08 or a Chibi Galaxy will cost you 0.05. But like you're getting a fully rigged 3D asset for like a discount to what it would cost to actually have something like that developed. So I always look at that kind of as an entry level product for those people who are looking to come into the Web3 space, looking to have... 3D assets, be able to, you know, manipulate them within certain, uh, certain tools. Um, so, you know, I think 
our community has become like the onboard ramp for those trying to understand, you know, how to do more with their, their collection, how to do more with their assets. And Gravitel is obviously going to open up that entire world for everyone because we're actually giving them the tool now to do it. Um, so we're super excited and we're just trying to spread the word and educate people. Yeah, I like it. Cool, man. Well, that was that was a good overview of what you guys are doing. So I uh, respect that. And you know, when you got, when are you guys? When's the launch date? When's when are you guys doing this stuff? We haven't uh, we haven't finalized the launch date, but it's gonna be sometime in May. Oh wow! Okay, come back. Oh, and, and I also yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention, uh, Oni just posted up there, but we're we announced that we're launching a Chibi Ordinals collection. Too. Oh, so nice. We inscribed. Nice. 20 of our chibi genesis uh on the bitcoin blockchain and uh if you click on the link there you'll check out some of the uh some of the assets there's some of our chibi genesis uh looking characters and they're just they're phenomenal yeah that's pretty cool i'm glad you guys are jumping on the ordinals train here because i actually think that is uh that's some cool technology that will be future use for that so yeah we hope we got there early enough i mean we're inscribed to think in the 500,000s probably not probably probably not uh probably not low enough that's still. <laughs> still hey you know what you still made it under what did, what did someone say to me the other day it's like under a million will be like good under like a hundred thousand will be really good and then like under like fifty thousands great and then under you know there's this, there's like different tiers i have a i have a uh ordinal punk 19,000 inscription, 19,000, uh, in 68. So nice. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it is a punk. What's, 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 what is interesting about it is that it's one of those punks that are lost on the blockchain. Like no, no one has that. Yeah. That's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So no one has access to it. So no, there's no owner going to be like, Oh, give me my, give me my, uh, my, my, uh, ETH, you know, punk. It's, uh, the ordinal version of it. I'm like, Oh yeah. It's, it's not gone. CCO anymore. Right? Exactly. So yeah, they can't claim it. Yeah. There's there's nothing to claim. Right. So I basically know all of the punks that are like lost in history right now. I have a list of them. And I usually like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to grab something that's like, like type, I go after the ones like that are that. So I like that. What's up sniper snipers up here. What's up, man. What's up guys. Happy Friday. What's going on, dude. Uh, that was a great synopsis, Basto. You really, uh, he really does have his, his shit together, Sniper. I was wondering, like, I didn't, guy. I, I didn't know, I didn't know Spasta as well. But now that I've, uh, I've learned about him before the show, I was like, Jesus, this guy has done a lot more than I, I, I thought about it. So, yeah, man, definitely uh, respect to Spasta, and uh, I really actually look forward to meeting him in real life. Hey, I, uh, well, I almost messed up there, uh, Sniperbot. <laughs> Question to you, my man. Um, what was Spasta like in NFT MIC twenty twenty one? Was he? Um, I don't even know if you were around in that during that time period. Like at the place that we were at. I'm talking about location. I know you we, were there. We we definitely were both there. I can't remember. Name the place that that you thought we were at. It was uh. It was a. Uh, well, I don't think uh, I don't think Sniper was there. But like I said, it was this like this little bar off of the the. Uh, off of the event called, I think it was called like the rum house or the rum room or something like that. And that's literally where everybody met. Like everybody from last slice was there. Everybody, you know, um, Michael K and you know, category five sniper. We were there. there. We were there. It was another, was I there? Place. We were there. 
figuratively. Uh, <laughs> figuratively. Uh, we, we, always talk, we always talk about we were there being, we were early, we were here when things were really good. <laughs> yeah. Our, our saying, are, we were there. Those are good. Those are, those are good times. Yeah. We, we probably met, maybe we didn't, but you know, if I come to NFT MIC, I'll definitely bump into you. Uh, hopefully bump into uh sniper as well and just say, what's up. I met you. I met oh, you I know. That's all office of Michael. I remember dude. I have oh. a, we still have a photo of that. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I'll send, I'll, I'll DM it to you dude, later. You'll, you'll, you'll get a kick out of it. I think. All right, cool. Well, anyway, I was just stopping by to say hello. Yeah. Caught up in, in a bunch of work and, uh, you know, always good to see so many chippies in the audience and so much support. So rock on. Rock on, man. Anyway, so thanks for coming on, Spasta. And but let's uh let's do this again when you guys go to Mint. Like let's do this in May, like let's just say second, third week of May. Whenever you guys decide to to do the mint, you got you guys can come on like maybe a day or two early and and like let's rock it real quick. Absolutely. We'd love that. Awesome. Thank you for having us. No, this was fun. Absolutely my pleasure, man.